0: Welcome to Selfed. I'm learning that what this is is more of my decompression chamber. Uh, I've not recorded an episode in a while, actually, and there's been a lot of things that have happened over specifically the last six, seven weeks um, that I just haven't really talked about in as much detail as I would like. And um, the thought that triggered me pressing record on this, uh, right now, it was that I'm making an effort to create this sort of decompression chamber, locker room thing for myself and men around me. And I'm also, uh, back in therapy. I've been in therapy, um, going hard in 2020 2021 2022 and then for 2023 um there were a couple of reasons that I just put therapy on pause I wanted to implement the things that I had been learning without depending on hitting up my therapist every week after a thing happens and you know having this like oh, I'll talk to my therapist about that next week reaction rather than being able to just deal with it in the moment. So that was good for me. But in um, starting back going into therapy, I began to um, look at my relationship to sex and then looking at my relationship to sex, that's led to me looking at my relationship to women. And inherently looking at my relationship to men and in that I've come to learn that what sex means to me is um, it's I can't say that I know what sex means to me but it's it's a, a vehicle of closeness and I have to learn that just because you have sex with somebody don't make you close. And just because you're not having sex with somebody does not make you close. Um, Wait, having sex with somebody doesn't make you close. And I said that wrong. (laughs) Having sex with someone doesn't equate to closeness. And just because you're not having sex with someone doesn't mean that you're not close. So looking at sex as a vehicle for intimacy means that people that I don't want sex from, men, and that means that like we can't have intimacy. That is essentially what that has historically meant to me on an unconscious level. And so looking at that and and going back to a time where I was playing football and I was surrounded by men a lot and I had that that intimacy with men that non-sexual intimacy with men it was a different time like I felt very supported. I felt celebrated and I felt challenged. And during these times, I always say like, you know, these were some of the most racist, sexist and homophobic and all types of stuff uh, settings to be in. But at the end of the day, you know, like that's the locker room. That's our sacred place where we were free to be and express ourselves, you know, wholly and genuinely and among other men. And There was this uh, respect that was gained through uh, that, like, I call it the sausage making process, you know. Everybody likes sausage, right, if you eat meat. But not everybody wants to slaughter a pig, cut up these parts of the pig and grind it and watch what used to be a pig become what it is in those grinding moments of disgustingness and blood and preservatives being added and all that stuff. Everybody ain't built for that. And that's kind of what the locker Room was. It was a process of making sausage, which is presentable, palatable, and something that people enjoy, right? And I look at it like, sports wise, you go out on the field and all of the racist, sexist, homophobic, ableist, elitist and different political views and religions, all that shit went out the window. You know, at the end of the day, like we'd fight for each other, we you know, fight each other. We die for each other. I and mean, I wouldn't have died for my teammates necessarily, but um we, we fought for each other and we stood up for each other. We had a community, a brotherhood, and I've been missing that, and I didn't realize, like, how important that was to me until it's been gone for as long as it has. Um I stopped playing football when I was 21, 22 years old, and here I am, you know, 12, 13, almost 14 years later, about to be 35 in November, and I'm just now looking at that. I'm just now examining what my relationship to other men has been. And I have outwardly wanted to create that space that is a locker room um, for myself and for other men to be able to come into and, you know, have that sort of decompression chamber and as I was laying here, I, I fell asleep pretty early last night and woke up like at 1 a.m. <laughs> I, I went to sleep. It was seven something on the clock and uh, woke up at 1 a.m., had to pee. And um yeah, this is really like the first time like nobody's. No messages are coming in, nobody needs anything, like I'm able to really just prioritize me and this is also something that I've been working on in therapy and I think that a combination of all of these things just led to me waking up and hitting record for this podcast episode because I realized that I'm trying to create something from a place of um, lack and uh, emptiness when it's something that i already have self is my decompression chamber and it is like it's something that i'm putting out there you know it's in an attempt to connect with people who can relate you know just as all things that we put out into the world are we find our thing and then we give it to the world you know and it um is received the way that it's received and um I had, yeah, a number of situations that happened that just have pushed me in the direction of recognizing, all right, one, I do want to go deeper into that which I already have. This includes things, this includes opportunities, this includes relationships, this includes um, uh, my own skills even, uh, rather than reaching outward and pulling in so many different directions like i've tried to bring my friends on to some sort of like a weekly just call to check in on each other and, and you know the older i get the more i realize how difficult that is it's difficult because people have schedules people have different priorities and this is something that's a priority to me and um for so long i've not quite known what self is or has been but After doing it and then stop doing it and then, you know, um, come back to doing it and being inconsistent, uh, I recognize that I've been inconsistent with it because I've been waiting on other people and also because I've been putting other people, you know, first. One of the things that I was considering doing with this was, you know, collaborating with someone to make a men's group and not everybody is as committed to doing such things as I am. Um, and I, I see that. Like, this is just the reality that I live in. So often I, I find myself waiting on other people, I find myself, you know, doing for other people, um, and giving so much to myself only for it to not necessarily be received, but oftentimes taken from. And my therapist brought up a really a good set of points as we have started uh, getting back into sessions consistently. And he said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, who's going to be there when Courtney's collapsed on the floor from exhaustion, from giving. And that visual, man, that visual rocked me. You know, like, not that I'm not taking care of my health, But, you know, I metaphorically think like even now it's 1 a.m. And I had the thought I was like, damn, you know, how many other people are just like up and lonely right now? And loneliness is one of the things that I I moved back to Portland. I'm back in Portland, Oregon, after having uh, packed up all my stuff and sold most of my stuff that was in portland and moved to st louis i moved to st louis it was may 26th and um i was gonna go to visit uh this woman i was talking to and fortunately like at the last second there was this red flag between us like we were having a conversation that uh just got taken way out of hand (laughs) and we didn't clear it up before I came out there. And I was like, hey, we need to talk to clear this up. And she wasn't wanting to talk to clear it up. So um, what ended up happening was I just canceled the trip. And then when I canceled the trip, that's when, like, the her true color showed. And she was just like, I can't believe you did this. We were going to talk about it in person. And I was like, no, nah, that wasn't going to work out. And for me, like... Unfortunately, the way that I mostly meet women who are interested in me, that I'm interested in, who, you know, there's generally more of a connection with, is just through my social media. Um, I don't want to say unfortunately. I shouldn't have said unfortunately. But, um, yeah, over social media, and this was one of those, it would have been the first time that we met. Um, which I've done before and it's worked out well, it's worked out not well, but, um, I remember just like, as it happened, there was just this huge transition moment and for me, um, because I met her as I was like setting the intention of creating some consistency for myself, moving back home. And being around my family, being around my friends, being in the space of community. Um, and as I was making my way into doing that, like she kind of popped up and she was closer to home. And, you know, I started to envision like this, this life of of uh, this life that I don't live now. <laughs> Let me say that. <laughs> and um Yeah, she presented herself to really fit into it. And uh, that wasn't the case, you know. Um, I use this analogy of people can only hold their breath for so long underwater before they can show you that they're not actually a fish, you know. And you can present, you know, suck your stomach in, hold your breath and hold up this composure. But then eventually you got to come up for air. When you come up for air, that's where you can talk. That's where you can breathe. That's where you just be like, oh, my fucking God, I I can't believe I just did that so long. And that was kind of like what I felt happened um, to me. Um, And. Yeah, I think that I did the right thing by not going there. I just decided to go straight home. I was going to go visit, be there for a while, you know, have our fun, get to know each other in person and see what was going to happen. And that just didn't, it didn't work out. And so um, as I was on my way home, like these were my intentions. My intention was to create this stability for myself and put myself into this like, this lifestyle on the trajectory, on the trajectory of like prioritizing family and prioritizing, you know, what I thought was Courtney and being at home. Uh, I I got the house set. Fortunately, I didn't sign a lease. And as I was just chilling at home, uh, home being St. Louis and watching this. Big ass six bedroom house because I was just house sitting <laughs> and that ended up working out for me. I was there and I was, you know, coming from Portland and experiencing this loneliness of, you know, I have people around me, but, you know, for you to still feel lonely. What do you say? I, I think this was like a Kanye West or Jay-Z line was one of them, I believe, but uh, I used to, no, I'm not even finna try to figure it out, but to be around people and still be lonely or to be in one environment, feel lonely and leave that environment still feel lonely, it it showed me that there was a much bigger issue for me. There were a bunch of issues for me that um, this move highlighted. This move highlighted for me that being in Portland, I was lonely and yet I was super successful. I I brought in let me I don't want to say I made six figures I brought in six figures of income between something positive for positive people and raising more than ninety thousand dollars over the year and a half that I've been in Portland and then with my part-time job working and making twenty thousand dollars like that's that's hundred and ten thousand dollars that's six figures um, all of that money can't go to me because, you know, so much of it has to go into the nonprofit, but I got to see that happen. I got to see, you know, what making six figures takes and what it looks like. And it took for me to get to St. Louis and have that time to myself intentionally, because like, there were a lot of things that just didn't go my way. And I think so much of what, I show on something positive for positive people and what I show through um, my presence as the person who runs that. There's a lot of just not my real day to day life of what actually happens behind these scenes. And that loneliness is really a big part of it. And I'm grateful for being able to talk about it here because I've also seen examples of what happens when I do not have this decompression and how that can express itself uh, in unhealthy ways, whether that be unhealthy attempts to connect with people and alleviate that feeling of loneliness that is uh, like, overshadowing me and it's still like the undercurrent of what my intentions are if i'm looking to just alleviate my loneliness by any means necessary because you know i've not had the opportunity to decompress or depressurize um it, it's it's been misinterpreted and i've misinterpreted other people's intentions and you know, I've um, apologized whenever I recognize it, but I don't know how often that might have come across unconsciously or unknowingly. And since realizing it, I've recognized how important it is for that decompression, for that those moments of being able to just be ugly, you know, to come up from the water, so to speak. You know, um, I can probably hold my breath for like 40 seconds, and in that 40 seconds of being underwater, you know, among fish, I probably look like fish. And then when I need air and I got to go up for it, I demonstrate that I'm human and that that holding in of the stomach, the holding the breath and maintaining a posture and being able to look under the water like none of that is sustainable for, you know, a human. And I recognized that I was trying to be, I always try to be superhuman and go underwater. I try to live with the fish and that's, that's not where I belong. You know, I breathe oxygen, I breathe air, I'm a human. And I understand that like I can go into the water and, you know, swim with the fish, but I will never be a fish, (laughs) you know, and there have been so many pressures that I've interpreted because of my loneliness, you know. Any loneliness will make you attempt to connect even with things that don't align with you. And so I'm seeing so many of my friends getting married, they're having kids, they're getting houses, they're buying vehicles and they're settling down and settling into the you know, their selves, right? And I've seen that consistently enough to where it's making me it has made me feel pressure to do that myself you know there was a point where in moving back home I was considering buying my great grandma's house in the hood where motherfuckers be shooting guns off every other day houses get shot up and you know my grandma don't even want to be there and there was this part of me that felt like I needed to do that and I'm, again, just so grateful that I had the opportunity, like, my, my yoga teacher, shout out to L, shout out to Elle and Troika for letting me uh, house it for them, and just be in that place of heaven, y'all, I was a lonely as fuck, I ain't gonna lie, and I have people around me that I can connect with, that I can text, that I can talk to, but I I'm going to be real, man. You cannot. I don't want to put that on people. You know, I'll take it on from others. I think that this just might be the way that I'm built. But I don't want to inconvenience people. I don't want to be needy. And from that place of loneliness, reaching out to people is not what worked for me. You know, I would tell other people, hey, if you feel lonely, if you feel like you need something, ask for it. If you are feeling, you know, um, like you need somebody, reach out. I'll tell that people that shit all day. But God forbid, when I'm lonely, I ain't reaching out to nobody. Right. And that's been part of the problem. But another in another sense, like it's also part of the solution. And. Being with that loneliness and that big-ass house by myself, like, I reflected. There were some moments where I journaled, and I journaled about, you know, the situation that I was in, you know, pursuing uh, this lifestyle of uh, starting a family, <laughs> and I, I like, I, I laugh about it now, but I cried. Like, I cried my fucking eyes out for... The whole plane ride from Portland to St. Louis, and that whole time I thought I was grieving this part of myself that I needed to let go of, that was about to change, and I thought that that person was Courtney, this um, this uh, person who just was lost and confused and didn't really have any sort of structure or consistency, and that lived as chaotic. You know life and i thought i was grieving that like in my whole plane ride home to st louis i cried hours i watched creed and creed 2 and like it was just any little moment of like a thing that resonated with me i was just fucking bawling to the point where when i finally got to st louis like i ain't had no tears left i finally got you know i, I walked in i was like you know i'm home my family's here. My friends are here. I'm gonna start seeing everybody. And, you know, that's how it started. But even while I was around people, even while I was around my friends and my family, I still felt lonely. And, you know, as I'm saying this out loud, like I realized that those tears that I cried, those weren't grieving tears for um, the person that I thought thought I was those tears were but like no Courtney don't go tears it was Courtney why are you about to go into like you're, you're getting further away from where you need to be and man like saying this out loud now, like I, I didn't even thought it before. <laughs> I just remember, you know, when I was crying, I was like, yep, this is good for me. This is good for me. No, that that wasn't good for me. That wasn't the best thing for me. The best thing would have been for me to deal with my loneliness. The best thing would have been for me to create that space for myself to decompress. You know, I, I, I went on a date. <clears throat> um last weekend it was like a Friday and then Saturday it was Saturday we we went out for a first date Friday and just like met up walked in the park <clears throat> and then Saturday we made dinner together and I remember after dinner she asked me who do you vent to and I, I laughed I was like nobody <laughs> and so many people want to be that they want to be that for me but People can't handle that shit. Like, where am I at on self? On self, there's like 40-ish podcast episodes of me, like, processing big events from myself in small doses. Not even, like, in the most pure way. Um, partly out of fear of cancellation. Partly out of fear of, you know, misinterpretation. And um, out of protection for the people, of the people who might be involved with it. I can't. I've not been able to do that. Um, I didn't even vent. It wasn't even venting. But I had a girlfriend that I was dating um, who somehow like my genuine concern for a friend being in an abusive relationship turned into this manipulation of. I don't know how, but me talking shit on said person that I was genuinely concerned about and that turned into a loss of a friendship, therefore contributing to my loneliness. Or instead of saying contributing to my loneliness, maybe it's a more accurate thing to say that it contributed to me healing my loneliness because as people started to fade away from my life, I had to look at these voids i mean not even voids because if you know if your life is better with a person's absence than their presence it's not a loss and started to be able to see what some of these friendships represented and with you know leaving portland i think that there was kind of this uh letting people fall to the wayside type thing that took place you know um in having that space, like I had a ooh, I, I did, it was more than a few. I, I had a lot of sexual partners here since being in Portland. Um, leaving I disconnected from them. Not like intentionally it was't hey, I'm leaving F you. but like no none of those sexual partners wanted to maintain a connection. And this is where I had to, you know, have this reality check that just because you fuck somebody don't mean y'all close. You know, and I ain't got no connection with none of these people. And I was like. They, I'm, now I'm I'm realizing a lot of this shit as I'm saying it out loud real time. So again, this is the sausage making process. This is the decompression chamber. I'm going to walk out of this and be able to go and do everything else I do in my day-to-day life at 110% as a result of this venting because who do I vent to? I don't vent to nobody. So this space of self <laughs> without me knowing has been a, my decompression chamber and I've been looking for a decompression chamber in my pursuits of connections with other people through sex with women that's been a, a avenue of a decompression chamber my um, pursuits of intimacy and relationships with men you know, saying, Hey, y'all need this. Like I'm, I'm telling them what they need and what I would like to offer for them, but I'm not giving that thing to myself. I haven't created it for myself or I had it and I've just not gone deep into it for me. And wow, this is in real time, like creating itself. And I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling real good about this. I'm feeling good about how I'm speaking right now. But anyway, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I guess like leaving Portland and just you know not not even not hearing from any of these people even you know for people to have for us to have had the what I thought were the connections that we had you know to not hear from them it, it sort of validated how lonely I was despite us getting together you know once a week twice a week or when we hit each other up you know feeling like they were there for me like only because we was fucking you know like I had a partner who one day it was snow, it was snowing real bad and the buses couldn't move and I, I take public transportation Portland's public transportation is great unless it's snowing and so she lived um uh, within like a mile of where I was at the time she told me yeah you can come over she fed me fucked me and let me stay the night and I was able to get up go to the gym in the morning and get back to um get back home you know cuz the snow stopped and I haven't heard from her you know and and since even before I left to be honest and you know there's some stuff there that I probably did that was wrong but you know I thought we were closer than that and I ain't hear from her um, I had one of my best friends you know we fell out after uh, I should have followed my intuition she invited me to a girls trip and it's like all lesbians it was lesbians and me like six of them and she invites me to girl's trip. And I was like, Hey, I don't know if I should go on this. And she's like, Courtney, I want to do something nice for you. And you like, why are you doing this? Why are you like pushing me away? Blah, blah, blah. And going on that girl's trip was the worst fucking decision that I could have ever made. And even being there, like it highlighted this loneliness, like perfect example. Um, and, and there were some other reasons that this was terrible, but uh, there were two instances. I was like, hey, uh, the house we were at the cabin had a hot tub. I was like, oh, hey, let's go to the hot tub. I'm going to the hot tub. I was in a hot tub. I was out there for a solid hour just kind of looking up. It was nice. It was cold outside, but hiding in the hot tub. And, you know, anybody who's had that experience, you know, like, that's amazing. Like, that's the best. And. I got out and I rinsed off, took a shower and I hear like giggling and laughing and shit coming from the hot tub. And I look outside after I just shower, everybody's in a hot tub. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, why, why the fuck am I here? So my fault, I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have went, <laughs> but you know, these were all relationships that like, and you know, using one as a sexual example and one as a, uh, friendship intimacy example. These are things where I feel like, okay, well, you know, maybe um, these weren't as much of friendships as I thought they were. You know, as long as I was offering something, you know, it was okay. And I I heard people always say like, unconditional love, unconditional love. I I don't think that we ever unconditionally love anyone. I think that what we can do is unconditionally accept people. And there are very, very, very few relationships that I have where I am genuinely feeling unconditionally accepted. And I'm so fucking appreciative of those. And... I'm making it a point to go deeper into these. And I don't think that I would have been able to had I not like had this, you know, realization, being able to disengage from what I thought was connectedness and seeing that what it was is actually a false illusion of connectedness that really contributes to my loneliness. And now I can address that. You know, don't nobody out there make me feel lonely. I am lonely. And then I validate that with my own external experiences. And it's the people who I'm around that, you know, make me like myself the most. And I, I don't want to say names, but they, they know who they are. Um, and I, I tell them, I tell them that I appreciate them. I tell them that I love them and that I unconditionally accept them as well. You know, some of these are sexual partners. Some of these are non-sexual partners. Some of these people are, um, you know, people that I rarely communicate with. Uh, some of them are, I play Call of Duty with. You know, like these are motherfuckers who are there. And I, I love them. And I don't show them that I love them enough because I prioritize pussy in attempts of not feeling lonely anymore and i also prioritize um complete strangers who you know can potentially or to me can potentially offer some alleviation of loneliness you know like the hours that i work and the hours that i support people or talk to people about their herpes diagnoses and things like that because that's what i do in my i I don't need to say that anymore at this point like you know what i do um the time that I am supportive to people, you know, is very sacrificial of my own time and my own self. I had a moment, um, and I this was something that initiated a conversation with my therapist about taking care of myself. I had a moment I was at the gym. I, I typically get up early in the morning. First thing I do is I'll eat something, head off to the gym, get a workout in. And as I'm at the gym, one day, um, a, someone that I thought was a friend texted me and the texts were very frantic and all over the place. So I, I just was like, hey, can you talk? And I called this friend. And as we're talking, um, I, I started to do cardio and I was doing a half hour cardio. And while I was doing the cardio, we were talking like the conversation was just going all over the place. and. It ended up eating up more than just a half hour. It's probably like a 50-something minute conversation. And that ate into my time of, you know, not just completing my workout, but also being able to go to the hot tub, going to the hot tub, and then being able to leave, go home, get breakfast, make breakfast for myself, shower, and then be ready for my therapy appointment. And me staying on that call pushed everything back a bit to where, um, I ain't gonna say I was late for therapy, but I wasn't able to be as present as I would like to have been in therapy because I didn't take care of what I needed for myself. Like the hot tub, that's my decompression. This recording self, that's my decompression. So me not decompressing, um, I am allowing for somebody else to decompress onto me. And as I'm letting this person decompress onto me, it's eating up the time that I allocated for myself. And so what I walked away from that experience with is an understanding of the importance of Courtney time. So my mornings are mine. You know, if I decide to do anything that is, um, if I decide to do something for somebody else during my time, like they're important, they need to be important. Um, everything can wait. You know, I'm, there's obviously days where I'll have to go into the office or go into the office, go in and work at the school that I work at. But um, oh, and I didn't mention this yet, but I moved back to Portland. There's a lot of in-between stuff that I got to touch on. And this is more than likely going to be a longer self podcast episode because it's overdue. And there's there's stuff here. Um, I haven't been journaling as, consistency, as consistently as I like. And I've also considered the fact that you know self is kind of my journal i like talking more than i like writing or typing so it very much fits for me to work out this way and putting it out there to the world is sort of like without me having to vent or dump on somebody i put it out there and you know maybe i get some feedback maybe somebody you know uh i have one one person in my life. I don't, I don't, I don't even want to call this person a friend. They, they feel like more than that. We've not met, but I very much feel connected to them and they very much demonstrate that unconditional acceptance. And, you know, I I'm, I'm sure you'll probably listen to this at some point and, and send me a screenshot of the notes you took on it. So, you, you know, who you are, I appreciate you. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I, this isn't something that like, is huge or a huge um that has like a huge following or nothing like that like and i think that that's what makes it so beautiful that's what makes this more intimate because i have that front-facing something positive for positive people thing where you know people come to me for herpes stuff whereas anybody coming here like you're here because you want to be like (laughs) this is just me talking and putting you know without dumping this onto a person i am reflecting and you know depressurizing yeah like i said depressurization chamber that's what this is for me this is my personal decompression chamber um and i don't know what that's going to become but you know it it will be what it will become um but yeah my attempts to alleviate loneliness have demonstrated to me just how lonely I actually am. And so uh, I moved back to Portland. I moved back to Portland after my time in St. Louis. Uh, I didn't. I stopped drinking in July. And in that month, I was able to write a book. I was able to reflect on my finances. And I was able to see that, you know, staying in St. Louis, I wasn't going to make nearly as much money. I wasn't nearly as happy. I wasn't as mobile. I wasn't as secure as I, I was trying to create all of these things for myself only to realize that, like, what I already had was something that I just needed to go deeper into. You know, I'm, I'm making more than enough money to get by in Portland. And I somehow managed to convince myself like, oh, you know, the cost of living here is high. If I move back to Missouri, it'll be cheaper. But like if I lived in St. Louis, I had to definitely I would have needed a car. Um, violence is out the ass out in st louis i got family around who everybody needs something everybody wants something or i ain't gonna say everybody let me not sit up here and lie i have a few select relatives who i only hear from when they need something um there's this expectation of you know courtney being more available to do things, uh, for people and this entitlement that came with that. And also felt like, you know, part of me wanted that. Like I, I give so much of that to complete strangers in various forms of support through my time. I should invest it in my family and I should give it to, um, the people who, you know, are around me and no, ain't nobody entitled to that. (laughs) <laughs> You're like uh, everybody, I, I and this is another thing. I saw my mom once in the three months that I lived in St. Louis. I saw my mama once. I saw my grandma once. I didn't even see my little sister. I saw my dad a couple times because he had the like we share We have the same first and last name, and I was getting mail sent to his house because that's the only consistent <laughs> address that I have had or been able to use so like i'd see him because he had to drop checks off and mail to me you know um one of my close friends and uh, we were roommates in college and you know he's got a family now he's got his own life and everything he's got a career um we were working out we were working out just about every day and then like he started to fall off and being consistent and I, I didn't like how that made me feel it made me feel Something I don't know what it made me feel, but the inconsistency was triggering to me, you know, and, you know, this was somebody I looked up to like a, a I still do, you know, I respect him and look up to him like a big brother, but he was just letting me down. And um, one of my other buddies, you know, that I wanted to spend a lot of time with, it was just like, the reality is we can't do that. You know, he he got a family, he got a family he running a business, he also working, he still had, and, and he makes time for himself to do the things that he wants to do. And that was something that I, that had rubbed off on me. And I don't know that, um, I, I've never told him that, but I, I I got to see it. And I was like, oh, that's, this is your time and nothing is going to get in the way of your time, especially if you got to schedule it. That's your thing that you need to do. Um, and me not having that was an issue like i think that my me time uh, my therapist brought this up to me he was like you know the only time it seems like when you're not thinking is when you having sex and it's like duh motherfucker that's like when i feel connected to that's when i feel like you know there's no um there's no there's no loneliness in that you know because i it's me and another person or people (laughs) i'm saying i say that like i don't I um, have had like group experiences, but (laughs) there's me and the person like there's presence. It's like that's the only time that the other person is not on their phone and that we're in our bodies or out of our bodies if we have not that kind of experience. But we're together with each other. And that, I guess, is that like illusion of loneliness. And that's why I think that just because I fuck somebody, I'm close to them and. That's not, that's not it. That's not the case. Oh, and it hurts, you know, it hurts too. <sighs> 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 okay, now I'm getting sleepy again. It must be at like the 40 minute mark. I'm not looking at the, I'm not going to look at this screen. But yeah, man, it, it hurts. And going back to that thing about laying down on the floor, you know, from collapsing and being exhausted, you know. I wonder how many people experience this and just don't have like their own decompression chamber how many people don't journal or reflect or have a person that they can talk to you know i uh i'm the kind of person who i'm I'm indifferent between monogamy and non-monogamy and um recently well the same girl that asked me she's like who do you vent to you know um she said that she's monogamous so i was like okay well you know for me like I will typically just date until we get to a point where we realize, okay, well, we do want to date. Um, now let's talk about what the relationship looks like. And she, uh, she reached out to me actually yesterday and was like, hey, I want to ask you a question. I, I called her because I hate when people do that shit. Like, hey, I want to have this conversation. It's like, no, like, let's talk about this now. Like, people will do that shit and want to talk later. It's like, no, we need to address this now. If you couldn't wait, to tell me that we need to have a conversation later, you don't get to, yeah, you. you <laughs> if you couldn't hold that in until you wanted to have a conversation, it's not fair for you to expect me to now have that, hold that, and now I gotta guess and anticipate what's coming. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I and I had to be real with it. I was like, you know, I, while I'm, you know, indifferent to being monogamous or non-monogamous, like, I can be one or the other, but really what it comes down to is how does the relationship work? Like, does the relationship work for that? And even, like, as I'm saying it right now, I think that I'm recognizing that maybe that's not uh, that's not my truth. I don't know that my truth is that I'm apathetic or indifferent to monogamy or non-monogamy because of the relationships that I have that don't make me feel lonely, the unconditional acceptance that I do have. And oh my God, there's so many things that I'm like wanting to say that just haven't come out. And I, wow, I'm having a realization that I see like why people have mental health breakdowns is because they may hold things in and rather than just depressurizing and letting those things out, they build up to the point where they start to manifest or express themselves as reality and all it takes is for maybe an event to lock those things in. And now, like, you're manic or you're all over the place or you just decide it's overwhelming and you shut down and now you're depressed. I, I feel like I'm looking in the fucking matrix right now. Damn. OK, I need to do this more. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like even I went to Sex Down South, this uh, sex conference for people of color, and I felt so validated in you know my identity as somebody who is kinky or non-monogamous or curious about BDSM and kink and non-monogamy, right? And I, being there, I don't know that I would be able to be in a monogamous relationship with somebody who would feel comfortable in that atmosphere. And I, I maybe be, maybe I could, but I also recognize that I have some very loving, nurturing, healthy relationships that if sex is removed from the table, they'll still exist. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Because, you know, just like when I left Portland, I had all these people I was fucking. And then, you know, I leave Portland and I guess we can't have consistent sex. So now these relationships fall off. Or I think that I have intimacy and then I go on a girl's trip and that emotional connection and intimacy is just gone because I'm not physically here anymore. And it makes me think that I am only loved for what I physically, wow, oh my god, fuck, that's a realization. (laughs) I am only loved for what I physically can provide. You know, that that's what that feels like. And I don't have any reason to reach out to these people and tell them that, but they are absolutely that red pill shit is, it applies. You know, there's a lot of it that like, I don't agree with. There's a lot of it that is real, that you cannot argue that statistically and factually is true. And this is one of the things that they say, like men are only loved under the condition that they can provide something for the people that love them. And I use air quotes when I say love them, because I don't think that that's love. I think that that's, you know, a matter of being useful, you know, and I, I I hear often, you know, from people who, uh, from men who talk about like a, a, a thing for the first time that's hard or vulnerable for them. And this is where a lot of men's anxiety depression sadness loneliness comes from i think that it comes from a fear of not being useful to people and i'm I fucking damn like i'm i felt the reaction in my body as i just said that out loud a fear of not being useful to people and i think that that's really where my um people pleasing as a man shows up in let me take care of you how can I take care of you? How can I inconvenience myself as much as possible to show you that you matter and that I care about you? This is what I have to do to show you that I care about you. I have to sacrifice myself in order to do that. That shit don't work. And as I have started to prioritize myself, I think that I've come across people who also prioritize themselves and you know who and what needs to be a priority to them. And it doesn't threaten them. That's how you know when you found your motherfucking people. When you are able to prioritize yourself, let them know you're prioritizing yourself, and they don't feel threatened by that. Because me leaving Portland and going to St. Louis, that was me trying to prioritize myself. And the people who fell to the wayside, they didn't like that. They were threatened by it. They were intimidated by it. It didn't serve them. I was no longer useful to them because of prioritizing myself. When people say like, people are gonna just fall off when you do better for yourself. I don't think I ever really knew what that meant until just now. Just now. And like, aha moment. (laughs) That's that conditional love and rather than unconditional acceptance. And like, I I don't know, I, I've not really been sleeping much or well lately, and I, I got a feeling that, you know, in getting back into a routine and being able to do this, I'm going to get back up to my seven, eight hours of sleep, especially in this cozy ass bed. Y'all, I'm so happy to have this bed back. I'm so happy to have my place back. I'm so happy to have my job back like I am fucking overwhelmed with gratitude and I have not been able to sit down long enough to really just receive that shit you know I got back to Portland um uh on September 21st I believe it was September 21st um I'm recording this on October 4th uh 2023 and This is really the first time that I've really been able to just like process shit myself. You know, like I started therapy back up and I've been, you know, processing some things there, but I've been, you know, even in the time that I got back, like I have more examples of just like validating my loneliness and not taking care of myself. And there have been moments too where I, I, take care of, I took care of myself. Like I went to Comic-Con. That was something that was for me. Um, I had a friend in town and that was something that was for me as well. You know, like that's how I've been able to nourish myself. And uh, now taking care of myself looks a little bit different in the sense of like taking care of my health. Um, I've been losing weight. Uh, since I started weighing my food and recognizing that I don't need to eat five times the normal daily recommended value of everything and it's been hard but I have motivation behind it now um I've had high blood pressure probably since I was 22 but now since learning how much of those things are in food that cause problems later um minimizing those and i mentioned that i stopped drinking in july and in july i like took a pause from masturbating and i was able to write a book the first draft of a book um and i was able to just obtain some fucking clarity in my life and realize that like i needed to deal with that loneliness whether i dealt with it in st louis whether i dealt with it traveling whether i deal with it here in portland now it needs to be dealt with. And if I don't deal with it, it's going to continue to, you know, draw in these experiences that are going to validate my loneliness. So dealing with it looks like, you know, this is part of it. You know, I'm not about to reach out to people for me to like dump on them or vent, you know, necessarily. Like how that girl asked me, she was like, who do you vent to? You know, this is I, I, me. I'm venting I don't even want to say venting to myself, but I'm decompressing. It's not a matter of venting. Venting might be a form of decompression, but I think that my conscious choice of the word decompression is, that's what I need. And that's what I'm giving to myself. My care for myself, decompressing as well this is what it looks like. This is me doing that. This is me taking care of myself. And I didn't close out the uh, monogamy, non-monogamy thing, but uh, after having gone to the conference Sex Down South, like recognizing that even if my, you know, close intimate relationships are not sexual, polyamory really more so speaks to me than any other relationship style. Um, I can have my person that i'm sexual with and i can also have you know my partners that i'm sexual with or not sexual with whatever but i mean i don't know i don't know what those relationships would look like if i did up and decide all right i'm monogamous but that's also not fair to people that i you know have these existing relationships with to just end them because there's somebody who i think i want to be with more than i want to be with them And I think I've seen that, you know, done to me, and that doesn't feel good. So I don't want that. I don't want to do that. And as I'm saying these things out loud to myself, maybe I need to stop saying that I'm apathetic to monogamy or non-monogamy or non-attached to non-monogamy or monogamy. Uh, Because I think the reality is, you know, let's say I do get with somebody and we decide to have a family together. You know, it's not that I've become monogamous. It's just that lifestyle might be a little bit more uh, fitting and conducive if I'm invested in my family and I'm having to work more and all I want to do is come home and be home. And, you know, I I, kids need prioritization. Kids need structure and stability. Non-monogamy works for me because I don't have that, like I, I, my stability is instability and In, uh chaos. I make myself consistency among situations that are inconsistent, therefore making my consistency even more significant. Ah, look at me ben, being all philosophical and shit, but um, yeah, my I, I'm not I don't want to end my relationships that I have, I have some very nourishing, helping, healthy relationships with people. And I feel good about these. I feel safe. These have been the safest relationships that I've had. These have been the most consistent relationships that I've had. Um yeah and I, I love these people. They, they'll probably never hear this shit, but <laughs> I love y'all. Um Yeah. <sighs> This feels good. Um, this feels real good. I, know, I, I think that this is, I, I can close this out. You know, I, i found the remedy for my loneliness and it was to be in it and sit in it and be present with it. I, I think that the present presence is a remedy for most things um that we deal with and for me to have to be present with that loneliness like yeah i might have been feeling lonely internally but every weekend doing something going out dancing drinking doing molly and and i'm doing molly every weekend but um to being around people all the time to alleviate my loneliness all they did was validate that i was lonely and so I stepped away from that. I went back home in an attempt to be around people who I expected to make me feel less lonely. And even around those people, I felt lonely. And so being in that big ass empty house by myself for as many days as I was, like that exposure therapy to physical loneliness, even among a place where I felt like I couldn't, I I would be fixed of that loneliness that was what healed me. And, you know, I ain't going to sit up and say, I don't still feel lonely. Like I want companionship. I would love to fucking, you know, I recorded this podcast because I was feeling lonely, <laughs> right? I made six figures. I, I brought in six figures, uh, during a time of loneliness. So there's a lot that can be done during these periods of loneliness. If I choose to utilize, you know, see it for what it is and, you know, take the feeling, the intensity of the energy that is the emotion. There, there's an emotional energy charge and my emotional energy charge. Whether you view it as positive or negative doesn't matter because it's there. The energy is there. All right, I'm lonely. I want to fuck. I want to swipe on Tinder. I want to find me some new pussy. I need to be held. I want to just cuddle. I want to go out and drink and I want to get fucked up and I want to not think about, you know, the day-to-day world. I wanna not think about something positive for positive people. I wanna not think about these support groups, this conference that I'm trying to create, how I can make uh, more money for myself, um, what the bigger picture of my life is gonna look like. Those anxieties, that energy can be just disseminated through those things. Or when I get that energy Maybe I can decompress. Maybe I can healthily express it. Maybe I can call somebody up and say, "Yo, I'm feeling charged as fuck right now, and I I need my I need me a fuck toy. I do you want to take this? I ain't gotta say it like that. I don't think anybody I know at least in my bubble would be like yes." Not nobody close at least. I I think I got somebody. I'm a little excited about that. Uh, she says she want that. She says she here for all of that. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Only time to tell. (laughs) But yeah, coming out of this, I think I need to tell that uh lady that asked me who I've been to. I need to just be real with her and be like, hey, you know, maybe this relationship ain't gonna work out. If you want a monogamous relationship. Um, I need to, you yeah, this is amazing. I'm coming away with like actionables. <laughs> um, I need to be more consistent with self and just let this be my decompression chamber. I'll still offer this space to, you know, the people around me and I, you know, just making that men's group, um. And yeah, just talk to my friends more because I don't think that I'm going to be able to have a combined call necessarily for, you know, all my friends to be able to check in with. That's, again, that's just the reality <laughs> that we live in. So um, I'm going to just make the men's group and I'll do my herpes support groups and let that be that. And self to be for me when I need it. And I'll post a podcast episode of because I guess there's got to be something to that. Like, I think that the decompression has to happen. Like, I can do this here and just do it. But there's something about putting it out there. Let's say 10 people listen to this podcast, right? If I were to sit down and have a conversation ten times that's like 10 hour conversations hour whatever let me look at it it's oh 62 minutes I think this might be the longest self episode I have did <laughs> but if I were to sit down with everybody and at this point have 62 minutes of decompression let's say there's four people that I've been to right uh, that's four hours that's four hours of decompression put in the one hour so like maybe there's more of an amplified effect me putting it out there and you know maybe somebody listening to it you know (laughs) um but yeah I feel good like I feel like you know after doing this I can probably go back to sleep for a couple hours before I need to get up and go to the gym or I could even get up Nah, I can't go they don't open till five. It's three AM. Wow. I recorded this mug at two AM, y'all. All right. Um, yeah, actionables, just go ahead and, and let that girl know what it is. Like I, you know, said with it, thought about it, talked about it, processed it, and I'm polyamorous. Polyamory speaks to me. I like my relationships that I have. I don't think it's fair. To me, that these nourishing relationships um, end, and I also don't think it's fair to these people that I've gotten into these relationships with, to for them to end over something that's a possibility or maybe, and that's probably exactly how I need to communicate that to this young lady. Um, and yeah, with who I'm excited about, like let let the people know who I'm with, like that I appreciate them and express these moments of just gratitude for having had the loneliness that I had and being able to, um, communicate these things and express these things and get out of this place of feeling lonely or recognizing when it comes up and being able to do something with the energy. That's what it's about. And, uh, yeah, that concludes this episode of self. I'm a uh, get back. I'm back. Y'all. I'm here, I'm home, I'm in Portland Portland is home to me Until further notice And um, I said this I was like, you know, if I gotta leave Portland For any reason, like let's say my living situation Doesn't work out um, Yeah, then I'll Just move on to the next thing Whoa, my stomach is growling I'll probably be a lot more Concise and have a topic in mind when i had a next self episode but let's say this one was about loneliness and dealing with that all right till next time